Yeah, so it's great to, to be with you again. It's uh, brilliant worshipping with you and just sensing the presence of God uh, among you. And uh, it's uh, great to be able to... Ooh, I really am on now. Uh, it's great to, to be able to share with you again. Hey, listening to the notices and stuff that's uh, going... It sounds as though some things are happening here. <laughs> we got to uh, New Day and guest services and Alpha. It's quite exciting to hear it all. I just want to, before I kind of, before we get into the scriptures, can I, can I do something with you guys? Can I uh, do a survey? Is that okay? We can do a survey, can't we? Yeah. Uh, I want to I ask you, if you're involved in New Day 2007, in any way at all, maybe you're camping out at Utoxeter, maybe you're getting involved in a, an outreach project in the city here, uh, maybe you're involved in the sort of preparations and planning leading up to New Day, maybe administration or any other way that you're involved in New Day. Maybe you're involved in a spin-off event after New Day is finished, the guest service or the Alpha course that's going to be running. Can I ask you if you're involved in any way at all to put your hand up? Can you just put your hand up? Wow. Now keep your hands up and just have a look round at everybody that's got their hands up in the air. Massive number that are invited. Yeah, Julie, Jules is, uh, yeah, Jules is just checking. <laughs> Can you keep your hand up? Can you keep your hand up? If you are doing something new this year that you did not do perhaps in New Day 2006 or that you're doing something uh, that you don't feel 100% confident in doing, just keep your hands up if you fall into either of those two categories. Okay, that's really helpful. Just put your hands down. That's uh, probably more for my benefit, but thank you for that. (laughs) I want to speak this morning uh, from Joshua. So if you can, uh, if you've got your Bibles, if you can open to Joshua chapter 3. I want to have a look at Joshua and how he models something to us in his, his faith, the way he leads with faith. And so I want to uh, look at this chapter with you this morning. So Joshua chapter 3, just going to read through uh, the chapter first of all. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep your distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, And as soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. 
So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the edge, the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down, uh, down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Every time I read that account, I I, I kind of marvel at what God did. It's kind of, I wish I'd been there. Do you sometimes read that with accounts that you read? I wish I'd been there. What would it have been like to be part of the, the Israelites, the, the nation, crossing over the, the, the River Jordan on dry ground uh, as, the, as the, the priests touched the edge of the waters, the waters passed, parted and dry, on dry ground they uh, crossed over. Wow! Fantastic! Would have been brilliant to be there. But before I get into the detail of the story, before we get sort of stuck into chapter 3, I want us to stand back a little bit and to take a, a kind of a, an overview, a panoramic view of the story so far. It's a familiar account, familiar story to some, maybe others aren't sure where it kind of fits or maybe you've never even heard that story uh, or read that story before. Moses, the leader of the uh, Israelites, the Jewish nation, the one who led Israel out of Egypt out of bondage to slavery. Moses, the one who led the people through the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, very much mirroring uh, what what we're reading about today. Moses, the one who led the the, the, the Israelite nation for 40 years through the wilderness, is dead. He's recently died. And Joshua, Moses' assistant, is now stepping up and standing in Moses' place, taking over, if you like, the leadership of the Israelite nation. He's being dropped, if you use the expression, he's being dropped in at the deep end. (laughs) Because whilst the Jewish nation were wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, carrying a promise that one day they would get into the promised land, one day God would open up and give them the promised land, it was up to Joshua to actually lead them into that promised land now. God has commissioned Joshua He's told Joshua not to be afraid. He's given him the promise that he will give. uh, uh, Every step that Joshua takes, he will give the land. And so Joshua, coming through chapter 1, chapter 2 of Joshua, Joshua sends in spies into the promised land, into Canaan, and particularly into Jericho, to spy out the land, to find out what is over the other side of the Jordan. And the spies meet up with Rahab, a prostitute, a Canaanite, who is very familiar with the God of the Israelites. Indeed, all the people in the city are familiar with the God of the Israelites. They've heard about what Moses uh, and the God of Moses did with the Red Sea. And uh, Rahab, the prostitute, says that that she knows about the mighty acts of the Lord, the God, uh, the Lord your God, who is God in heaven above and earth below. She expresses faith in Israel's God and as a consequence in the later conquest of Jericho she is saved. The spies return and give the report that the people are melting with fear. God has given them the land. The people are melting in fear. 
All they need to do now is go in and claim it. They just have the challenge of the Jordan River to cross. I just want to press the pause button for a moment. Because maybe you're thinking, you know, wow, this is a, a dramatic story. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're not familiar with it. Sounds all very exciting. But maybe there's a question rising in your heart. Yeah, okay, very interesting. But what's it got to do with me? I mean, come on, let's be honest here. It happened thousands of years ago. Thousands of miles away. In a culture very different to my own, uh, with people that don't even speak my language. What's it got to do with me? Here's how I would answer this question. This account is not just history on the pages of a book. It is God's living, dynamic word. And God, through the the exploits of Joshua, I believe wants to speak to us today. It's as if he wants to reach out of the pages and get a hold of our collar and draw us towards him and breathe faith into our hearts as we explore together what God has done. I believe God wants to speak to us uh, as we do it. And as as you guys are on the verge of New Day 2007 and all the massive opportunities that that opens up for you as a church and all of the challenges that it opens up and all of the the stretching and and the kind of stepping out that that's going to involve, I believe God wants to bring courage to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to embolden you. He wants to empower you and all the other M's that I can't think of. He wants to speak to us this morning and put courage and faith into your heart. So what's it going to do with you? It's got everything to do with us. It's God's word and he wants to speak to us. So let's have a look at uh, Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1 and verse 2. The nation break camp. Joshua leads the people to the edge uh, of the Jordan. And they set up camp there. It says uh, uh, in verse 2, after three days the officers went throughout the camp. This is after they've moved to the edge of the uh, Jordan. So they've been there for three days. There they are, camped. Don't don't think in terms of thousands or, or even hundreds of thousands. We're talking about two million people, massive nation of Israel, camped at the edge of the river Jordan for three days, facing the thing, that, the very thing that is stopping them getting into the promised land. We, we, hear, we read in verse 15 that the, the uh, uh, Jordan is in flood, and so it would have been anything up to a, a, a mile wide. So here we've got, a, they're camping, facing the Jordan a mile wide, and I, I kind of, my imagination sort of runs away with me sometimes and I kind of put myself in that situation. What would it have been like to camp on the edge of the, the Jordan knowing that, that actually where we're supposed to be going it's the other side but also seeing this massive expanse of water. I mean, we've seen something of, uh, of uh, the, the, the devastation and power of floods haven't we, on our television screens recently. Here is the, the, the Jordan in flood a mile wide. I imagine some of the, the conversation would be between a, a pessimist uh, and an optimist. You know, kind of a pessimist is sitting there outside his tent looking at the water and thinking, what? saying, what on earth are we doing here? There's no way we're going to be able to cross this river. It's totally impossible. And you kind of get the optimist, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm sure there must be some, you know, maybe we could, let's think, maybe we could, maybe we could build a bridge. 
are you crazy? It's a mile wide. Yeah, okay, well, maybe we could um, uh, build rafts and sort of float across. Have you seen the currents? It would be suicide. Well, maybe we could... And I'm not swimming either. You can, I can remember, imagine the conversations. And with it, the doubts and the fears that uh, rise as a consequence of those questions. How was it all going to turn out? How were they going to get across? Here's my first point. Faith faces our problems in the light of God's promises. Faith faces our problems in the light of God's promises. If we can get a hold of that, whatever we face it, if we can get a hold of that truth, it could transform our lives. As we face our difficulties, as we face our challenges, if we face them in the light of God's promises. You know, faith doesn't bury its head in the sand and not face reality. Faith faces reality. It sees the issues, it sees the problems, it sees the difficulties. The pessimist is right. It would have been impossible to get across the Jordan. The trouble is that it would lead inevitably, knowing human nature, to some doubting and fearing, what on earth are we doing here? How are we going to get across? Maybe God's not with us. Surely we're here at the wrong time. It's harvest. It's in flood. Even if we do get across, we'll be exhausted. Would we really be able to face the opposition over the other side? Asking these questions of doubt and fear. It's against that backdrop we see the heart of Joshua, the leader of faith, as he holds on to the promises of God. He's received promises from God in chapter 1. Verse 9, God has said, I will be with you wherever you go. In in chapter 1, verse 5, God has said, there will be no one that will be able to stand up against you. In verse 3 of chapter 1, I will give you every place where you step, uh, a place you or set your feet. He's holding on to the promises as he faces the challenges, as he faces the issues. And in verse 9 of chapter 3, he says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. He takes a stand and he leads the people holding on to the promises of God. Maybe as you come to New Day 2007 and all of the activity and all of the opportunity that that's going to open up for you, maybe actually, personally, there are issues that you are struggling with at the moment. Like Israel, maybe there's a Jordan in front of you where you can't see the way through, you can't see the way forward. It's overshadowing your thinking. You're struggling with it. We heard in the, in the worship earlier this, this word about burning issues. Are there burning issues that you're facing, that facing at the moment and that God wants to meet with you and deal with you? Maybe you're in that situation. Maybe there's something going off at work at the moment and you don't know how to handle it. Perhaps it's a relationship at work or a decision that you need to make. Perhaps... There's a situation in your family life at the moment and you don't know how to handle it. Maybe uh, there are uncertainties with your health. Questions there. Maybe you're just tired and you need strength to carry on. There's this Jordan in front of you. It's looming large and you just can't see your way through. Draining confidence. Maybe tempting you to to, uh, shrink back the worry of the what-ifs crowding in, sapping away your joy. Can I encourage you, 
What does Joshua do to get a hold of the promises of God? Get a hold of the promises of God as you face the issue, whatever that issue is for you. Those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. A promise from God. Are you anxious about things? Are you consumed with worry? Don't be anxious, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and then there's the promise and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Get a hold of the promises of God. Maybe you just don't know the way forward. Does anyone lack wisdom? Let him ask. And God who gives generously will give wisdom to those who ask. These are promises of scripture. Get a hold of them as you face the issues that you're facing. Just as Joshua held on to the promises as he faced reality. God God is not un, God doesn't not know the future. That's a bad way of putting it, isn't it? God knows the future. It's not uncertain to him. God's plans and purposes cannot be thwarted. God is with us. God is for us. God cannot be caught off guard. Get a hold of the promises of God. Second point, faith finds our security in God rather than the familiar. God find, faith finds our security in God rather than the familiar. Do you want to have a look at uh, uh, verse 3 of chapter 3? Uh, the order goes out to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are, carrying, uh, who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. You've never been this way. I was, I was just thinking about that uh, as I was preparing. And you know, everything was different. Everything had changed for the Jewish nation uh, in, in a quite a short time span. Whereas they were used to following the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire in the wilderness. And they were following under the leadership of Moses and they were wandering around in the wilderness. That, that's what was going on. It was going on for 40 years. They were comfortable with it. It was familiar. That was their life. That's the way it worked. That's what they did. And then, hang on, things have changed. Now they're not following the pillar of cloud. They're following the Ark of the Covenant. And they're not under the leadership of Moses. They're under the leadership of Joshua. And they're not wandering around in the wilderness, actually. They're facing a, a massive river and about to enter into the promised land. Everything had changed. The familiar things were being stripped away as they were having to put their confidence and their security, not in the way they did things, but in whom they were following and who they were going with. The Ark of the Covenant represents the very presence of God. The Ark was up in front. God was leading and they were putting their confidence and their trust. They had to put their confidence and their trust in God rather than anything around them that was familiar. And maybe you're facing change at the moment in your life. Certainly as a, as a church, Jubilee Church in the, the number of years that it has existed, you will have seen change as uh, the, gather, you know, the initial group gathered together and then more were added and people got saved and added into the church and groups grew and multiplied and new leaders were trained and raised up and released and new ministries began. As the church grows, so things have to change. Nothing stays the same. And the trouble is we can sit back and think, you know, oh, 
It's not the same as it used to be. <laughs> we can look back with rose-coloured, rose-tinted, rose-coloured spectacles, you know what I mean. And we look back and think, you know, it, it's, it wasn't like it used to be. And we look back with fond memories, wanting to hold on either to the past or, in fact, wanting to hold on to the way things are at the moment. But the reality is nothing stays the same. I've been reading a book by uh, uh, Andrew Wilson. Um, Terry Virgo recommended uh, the book at the uh, Leaders' Conference called Incomparable. It's about the character of God. And if you've not got a copy, if you've not read it, I do recommend you get hold of a copy and read it. Terry was particularly recommending it for teenagers. I don't quite fall into that bracket, uh, but I'm enjoying it anyway. And uh, Andrew, in one of the chapters, uses an illustration... Uh, and I want to I do it. I want to do it now. We'll, we'll kind of act it out. He says, "I want you to sit really still." Okay, so let's just do that. Let's sit really still, just for one second, to sit really still. Okay, you're not allowed to move a muscle. Maybe blink your eyelids, and that is it. Okay, so we're ready. Just for a second, sit entirely still. That was probably longer than a second, but brilliant. Okay, you're still with me, aren't you? You're awake. Yeah, okay. And what he, what he says in the book is that for that one second, your body has produced 25 million new cells. I can't even get my head around the figures there. 25, yeah, someone's looking at their stomach. 20, <laughs> 25 million new cells. And in that one second, your brain has processed a hundred million new pieces of information. Incredible. Maybe it's not a hundred million for some, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> We won't go there. Your location is changing at the rate of 66,000 miles per hour as you, together with planet Earth, hurtles through its orbit. Things change. Nothing changes the same. Probably the most stable thing that we are familiar with is the sun. And, and in the time that it's taken to give this illustration, the sun is now 50 million tonnes lighter. Scary when you think about it, actually. Nothing stays the same except God. God is the one who is unchanging. God is the one who is constant. God is the one who is reliable. God is the one who is faithful. God is the one who never changes from eternity past to eternity future, if there are such things. God remains the same. And when we put our faith, not in the way things are or the way we do things, when we put our faith and our confidence in him, it liberates us from having to hold on to these things that keep shifting and changing. Joshua held on to his values. He was a God follower. But he was open to God to express those values in new ways. No longer following the pillar of cloud, but now following the Ark of the Covenant. And as churches, as a church here, you need to hold, we need to hold on to the values that make us distinctive. That we are the people of the Word. We are people of the Spirit, welcoming Him uh, and and, uh, revelling in His gifts and charismatic uh, gifts that He gives us. We are ones who hold to the value of worship and mission. 
But we need to be open to God as we journey together and as we grow and as new situations and circumstances come upon us, we need to be open to expressing those unchangeable values in new and dynamic ways. If our, secur- our security must never be in the way we do things. It must always be in the one for whom we do them. Faith finds our security in God rather than the familiar. Thirdly, faith frees us to step out for God. Faith frees us to step out for God. If you look in uh, verse 5, Joshua says to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. In that word, there's this idea of setting ourselves apart for God and obedience to God. And Joshua illustrates and lives out that magnificently as he uh, puts his trust in God. And when he says, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you, I don't think Joshua really knew what God was going to (laughs) do. It wasn't until verse 8, the very next day, that God gives further instructions as to what was going to happen. But Joshua nailed his colours to the mast. He put his trust in God and was willing to step out, even though he didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And I want to encourage you during New Day, during the opportunities that that uh, offers, whether you're uh, involved in a project here in the city of Not- uh, Nottingham, whoops, sorry. <laughs> You cut that bit out of the tape. Whether, whether it's in Derby, get it right, where am I? Yes, Derby. Whether it's uh, getting involved in serving out at Utoxeter, whether it's on one of these events that you're having afterwards, whether it's the guest service or whether it's the Alpha course, whether it's someone that you're praying for at work or someone that lives in your street, should I ask them to come? I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zones. I want you to encourage you to step out and go for it with God. Now your colours to the mask, put your trust in God and to step out. Maybe there's a hesitancy to step out. If you're anything like me, anyway, there's a hesitancy to step out Because we're not quite sure what's going to happen if we do. (laughs) Am I alone on that? Or you kind of, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, the sense of, well, God, you you tell me what's going to happen when I step out and then I'll I'll take that step. Okay? That's the deal. And God doesn't do that deal. (laughs) He loves to say to us, no, no, you step out and then I'll tell you what happens next. And that's exactly what Joshua was doing. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's what God, well, that's what Joshua was saying to the people. I believe actually that that's something that I can say here too. I believe that God, not, maybe not tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, I believe God is going to do amazing things among you. We look back to New Day 2006 and we see the numbers of people that were saved, the stories of people being healed, of lives transformed. I know from my experience of New Day 2004 and New Day 2005 in Nottingham, it doesn't just happen during the event, uh, it's afterwards as well. We're still seeing people saved and added to the church as a result of those New Day events. We've got one lady who uh, uh, was saved and added re- very soon after New Day 2005. And she's one of these people that seems to know everybody. She seems to be bringing different people to the church every week. And we're, we're still seeing people as a result of her testimony coming to the church, getting saved, getting tucked in with us there. 
And, and looking back to 2006, last year, the numbers that were being saved, I guess many of those would have come from across the country to Utoxeter with their groups, with their churches, encountered God, had their lives transformed, saved, healed, whatever, and then taken that story, taken their lives back to their churches and there'll be stories all over the country as God has been meeting people and transforming them. But there'll be, there'll be stories here, I believe, as well, that God will be uh, trans- meeting and transforming people's lives through what's going on here. Uh, and uh, adding to your number. But I believe that God will do uh, amazing things among you over these coming days. So be prepared to step out uh, uh, as you uh, trust in him. You know, I, just, um, I was just looking at uh, uh, that story of, of David Wilkerson again. Uh, have you read that story, The Cross and the Switchblade? It's a, a classic uh, I'm sure many of you will have read it. If you haven't, I encourage you to get hold of it. It's actually a very old book. It's, it's uh, set back in, the, I think, the late 50s. Uh, it's uh, about a guy called David Wilkerson, a country preacher in America, true story, who uh, out in the outback somewhere pastoring a little church. And during one of his prayer times, he sensed that God was speaking to him and telling him to travel 350 miles to the inner city of New York to go and help a teenage gang that were on trial for, for a, a, a horrendous murder that they committed. They actually murdered a, a polio, crippled a polio victim in one of the parks in New York back in the late 50s, I think it was. And he sensed that God, he knew, he knew nothing about inner city life, he was a countryman himself. He sensed that God was calling him to travel that 350 miles to go and help them. <laughs> I wonder what you'd have done in his situation. He went to his church... And he said, look, I don't really understand, but I believe that God is wanting me to go and help these boys. Very high profile uh, uh, court case, lots of media attention. The church didn't really understand, but they took an offering to pay for the petrol for him to get the 350 miles to New York. And he got there finally to the the court case. He needed to speak to the judge to get access to to speak to the boys. Uh, And he thought he was going to miss his chance and out of desperation he, he called out in the court house uh, to the judge, ended up getting arrested, thrown out of the court, media flurried, photographs taken, spread all across the national u- news, his photographs in the paper. He came home humiliated, uh, devastated, embarrassed, a total and utter failure. He'd, he'd uh, dishonoured his church. Like it was an absolute mess. A week or so later, he sensed God was asking him to go back again. <laughs> would you have gone? I don't think I would have done. But the sense was so strong that he took his youth pastor, got in the car again, having the church again graciously funding him. He went all the way back to New York again. And when he got into the city of New York, he sensed that God was telling him just to stop the car and get out. He stopped the car and got out and wandered about a bit and met some teenage guys, but lads, that were involved in the gang culture. And they recognised him because of the photographs in the newspaper. And they accepted him because to them he was a hero because he was thrown out of the court. And it opened up an international ministry, miraculous international ministry, through which thousands of young people's lives have been transformed and saved as a result. He was willing to step out, do something crazy for God, uh, and uh, as a result, God was able to use it. Joshua did the same thing. It's crazy when you think about it. Priests, go and stand at the edge of the water and then it will part and you can walk through. Crazy. 
But he was prepared to step out and uh, as a result, God was able to use his faith. God doesn't want us to stay this side of the Jordan, facing our problems, unaware of God's power. If we look through chapters 3 and 4 and 5, 21 times in the Hebrew, it talks about crossing over, crossing over, getting over to the other side. God doesn't want us to stay this side. So I want to ask the question, what is it that God is wanting you to step out and do in these coming days? That's a challenging question, isn't it? What is it that God wants you to do to step out in faith for him? Maybe it's inviting somebody to the Alpha Course. Maybe it's speaking to somebody on the streets in Derby with one of the projects that's going on. Maybe it's praying for somebody on the street. Maybe you've never done that before. And in conversation, you're speaking to somebody, you become aware of their need. Is God wanting you to stretch out? Can I just pray for you? Can I just ask that God would meet you in this need and that you would encounter him? We don't need to close our eyes. Let's just pray on the street. Is God asking you to to pray with somebody on the street this week? Maybe if you're gifted in the prophetic, maybe God's calling you to use that gift in terms of uh, evangelism, speaking to a complete stranger. Can I I just say, I believe God's saying this to you. Does Does that make sense to you? Maybe God's calling you to take a step of faith. Get out of your comfort zones. Put yourself in a place where if God doesn't turn up, it gets messy. (laughs) And taking that step uh, uh, of faith. Faith frees us to step out for God. And when we take that step, it gives God the opportunity to demonstrate his power. Very clear in in the story that we've just read. God demonstrating his power as the waters are parted, as the nation crosses and eventually conquers Jericho and they're into the promised land. With uh, David Wilkerson, going back to the story I just mentioned, David Wilkerson needed to get the signatures of the parents of all seven young people that were in prison, accused of this murder. He didn't know anybody in New York. He had no way of finding out where they lived. The DA's office were not going to give any information out at all. He was stuck. What was he going to do? He got in his car, together with his youth pastor, again, not used to driving in the sort of X number of lanes of traffic, and uh, just drove around completely aimlessly, uh, crossing and changing lanes, getting hooted at several times, and in the end found himself in a part of New York called Spanish Harlem. And he again had this sense that God wanted him to just stop the car and get out. So he found the first available car parking space, pulled over, stopped, got out. There were a few kids playing on the street. He went up to one of them and said, do you know uh, Luis Alvarez? Luis Alvarez was the guy, one of the guys in the the murder trial. No response. Turned to walk back and another lad came running up to him. Says, are you looking for Luis Alvarez? And David Wilkerson said, yes. Said, well that kid that's in the murder trial? And David said, yes. And then the kid said, is that your car? He's getting a bit fed up with all the questions at this point. But David said, yes, that's my car. He says, man, you've parked straight out of, outside his parents' house. <laughs> and he was able to go in and get the first signature uh, of, of one of the guys on trial. He needed the other six. The parents there didn't know any of the other boys or where their parents lived at all. As he was coming out of the tenement building, down the stairs, 
He bumped into another lad going up the stairs and this lad recognised David Wilkerson because of the photographs in the, picture, in, the, in the newspaper. Are you that preacher man? said this uh, lad. David Wilkinson in- introduced himself and Angelo said, my name's Angelo, I'm in Lewis's gang. And David said, hey, do you know where the other parents live? Sure I do. And within two hours, David was back at the DA's office with all seven signed signatures to see those lads. I won't tell you anymore, you need to get the book and read it. <laughs> but he stepped out in faith and it gave God the opportunity. There's no way that that would happen without God. <laughs> that was God, 100%. Just as the parting of the the River Jordan was God. It gives God the opportunity to demonstrate his power. Faith faces our problems in the light of God's promises. Faith finds our security in God rather than the familiar. Faith frees us to step out for him. I want to encourage you to step out for him and see what God will do through you. I want to stop now. I want to pick up on some of the, um, the things that were, were brought in the worship. Uh, I want to, to, we're going to have a, a ministry time in a moment. Can I just ask the band to, to come back? Can you, uh, have you got a song that we can sing? Brilliant. We'll, uh, we'll sing together and then we'll... Uh, if God has been speaking to you this morning, maybe through some of the words... Uh, that have come, a number of different words, uh, these burning issues, are there burning issues in your life at the moment? Maybe God's speaking to you about holding on to God's promises in the midst of those. Maybe God is wanting to meet with you and deal with those issues even this morning. Maybe like that moth, you're kind of wanting to blend into the background. You don't even want God on your case, but you know God is speaking to you this morning. I want to encourage you in a moment uh, when we're singing... Uh, to, to respond out the front. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe there are others. That, that, is it two men and, and a woman uh, that uh, are here needing to respond to God uh, and, and receive from him?